Hi, darling. My name is Aurora Rodriguez. I'm an interior designer, counselor, and vegetarian. Welcome to the Veggie Interior Design Queen podcast. So let's finally talk about that mushroom class I took during the summer. I know that I've been talking about it already for some time. And I want to share what it entails and the process that I went through because, as you may already know, I love mushrooms. And I definitely want to get talk a little bit more about that before I get into the details about that mushroom class. So you might be wondering, like, why are you so obsessed over mushrooms? And to be honest with you, I think the biggest thing I love about mushrooms is the flavor because it has an earthy flavor but also the texture it's very meaty and i know a lot of people are not too fond of mushrooms but i am simply because as you know it's been 17 years and 11 months since i became vegetarian and out of all the different veggies and different things that i've eaten i think mushrooms are the closest thing to anything that resembles meat and partly because of the texture and what was most fascinating about my vegetarian journey is that mushrooms are amazing because I know a lot it's pretty bland but if you season it the right way then these mushrooms will absorb any seasonings that you add to them and to me that's just so fascinating and I love I just love them. I can't stress that enough. And hopefully there's a lot of you guys out there who also love mushrooms and can definitely relate to relate to me. So I've noticed also throughout my experiences that there aren't that many mushrooms in Mexican cuisine. And there's different types of mushrooms, but the mushrooms that I that I've eaten and there's a huge variety and I'm, you know, always learning, always learning something new. And I love shiitake mushrooms, the portobello mushrooms, and also the, like the regular white ones that you see at gro- most grocery stores. And of course, the huge portobello mushrooms. And like I said, there's different types out there, but most recently I started eating oyster mushrooms and those are so delicious. And I, fun fact, I just um, bought a, a kit today to learn and grow um, lion's mane mushrooms. I've never had them before. I've only seen photos of those online, but I'm actually curious to see how those, how those taste and how those will actually grow. So I'll share more a little bit about that later. But like I was saying, like there aren't that many mushrooms in Mexican cuisine. And I remember visiting a friend in Las Vegas once and her grandmother was visiting and she found out I was vegetarian. And I remember having gone grocery shopping and I bought some veggies and I definitely bought some mushrooms. And when the grandma saw them, She was surprised and I think a little bit grossed out about the mushrooms because she said that growing up in the ranchos, like growing in the farms in Mexico, they would see a lot of mushrooms growing like in the in the farmlands. 
where they had all these cows and all these different farm animals. And whenever the cows pooped, then they would notice that all these mushrooms would grow right next to the poop. So she was telling me that whenever they saw that, she has always associated mushrooms growing on poop. And because of that, I think the thought grossed her out. So she never ate them. And I don't think she ever tried them either. But I've heard other Mexicans also say the same thing. And then I started to think, okay, well, is that possibly the reason why a lot of Mexicans especially are not eating mushrooms because they just assume they all grow on poop? I mean, you tell me, but that was that's my theory. I don't know if there's like an actual an actual reason for it, but I found that interesting. So I'm going to stick to that theory. But I, I noticed it because whenever I would go grocery shopping at the very beginning when I first became vegetarian, because back then there weren't too many people that were vegetarian compared to now. And I remember going to certain grocery stores and they did not carry mushrooms. And I was just, I was puzzled. Like, how? why don't you guys sell mushrooms? So of course, Come to find out, they're only going to sell when there's a demand for something. So that made sense. If a lot of Latinos are not buying mushrooms at the grocery store, then of course they're not going to have them. So that's the story behind that. Now, moving on to the process of my mushroom class. So I follow this Instagram page on Facebook. And this page is called Long Beach Mushrooms. So as you already know, I live in, in L.A., and Long Beach is really close to me, so I'm pretty familiar with Long Beach. And when I started following this page, it was because it's all about growing mushrooms. So this guy named Justin, he owns this company and he started to grow his own mushrooms and started selling them, selling them at farmer's markets. And it's really cool because not only would he sell them in farmer's markets, but he would also promote his mushrooms to different restaurants so a lot of restaurants especially in Long Beach they buy the mushrooms that he grows and they use these mushrooms to make these delicious meals and as you already know I love mushrooms so naturally I'm going to gravitate and be interested in those in those type of posts so when when I found out that he was going to teach a course to learn how to grow, I became extremely interested in it because this was at a time where I it's already been a while since I've been interested in wanting to grow my own mushrooms simply because, as I've shared in the past, like I feel so bad whenever I buy vegetables and they just go bad in the refrigerator. And I would... I mean, the intention wasn't to let them go bad on purpose. It just so happened that I would buy mushrooms, for example, and I kind of set them in the back of the refrigerator and then I would prepare other meals and then I would say, oh, I'll get to it later and I'll make something with my mushrooms. Eventually, I would not get to it. And then by the time I was ready to cook them, they were already going bad. So... I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if I could just grow my own mushrooms in my garden so that I can harvest them myself whenever I'm ready to eat them and just cook them? 
<laughs> and also because I started growing all these other vegetables, which I'll get into later. So anyway, that's how that began. And of course, when Justin announced that he was going to have a course, I definitely was interested. I ended up missing the first deadline because I guess he filled up his courses. A lot of people must have enrolled. And so I waited until the following course and I told myself the next time that Justin offers this class, I'm going to take it no matter what. So sure enough, when he offered it, luckily I was on summer break and I said, you know what, I'm just going to sign up and take it now because I don't know what, how my time is going to be later on. So, so I took it. So now moving on to... So now moving on to the process. So by no means am I an expert on this whole growing mushrooms process, okay? And I'm actually still learning. Prior to this, I, I never really made time to research how to grow your own mushrooms. So I did take some extensive notes, right? I tried to take as many notes as possible while Justin was teaching the course, but it was really cool because um, as soon as I I went to take the class, you know, he gave like a brief introduction, like talked about the process. He showed us all his equipment, like how he operates his business. And he has like this, this site where it has like a couple of rooms and, you know, these rooms have a certain type of temperature and grows his mushrooms and at, after all of that he actually we each got our own uh, grow kit and we followed some steps and then we were able to take this grow kit home and to me that that part was surprising because I didn't know that I was gonna work on an actual grow kit at at this in this class and then actually bring it home with me. I thought I was just going to learn like very basic information and see how he he does it. And that was it. So the highlight of this whole course was that we worked on a kid, every single person that was there, and you were able to take it home. So you can actually grow them at home. So that was really neat. But when he started talking about it, he was saying that a lot of these mushrooms, particularly um, I ended up choosing the brown oyster mushrooms and these specific ones, he uses oak and soy to grow them. And it almost seems like a bunch of um, like crushed pieces of, of wood, in this case is oak, and it's mixed with soy. So it kind of looks like thick dirt, if you know, <laughs> if I can like describe how it how it looks. And I remember him saying, too, that they have to pasteurize and steam all of this, all of these different materials. And there's like several weeks in between the process to ensure that all of this like oak and soy is pasteurized. And one thing that he highlighted and made it really known is that there's a difference between a scientist and a farmer so he said that he didn't go to school to learn how to grow mushrooms he just kind of learned on his own by reading books and following other people that grow mushrooms 
So he calls himself basically a farmer because he didn't go to school and learn all the like scientific uh, details about growing mushrooms, if that makes sense. And then he also talked about how for the oak and the soy, they have to inoculate the pores, whatever that means. And I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with growing mushrooms, but that was mentioned as well as having an incubation room. And it's very important to have them, especially if you want to invest in growing your own mushrooms like having a business where you actually sell them to different farmers, sell them at different farmers markets or to different restaurants. And he said that these incubation rooms need to be between 70 and 75 degrees. So they have to be highly monitored in terms of the type of temperature that's in these in these incubation rooms. And he also talked about having liquid culture which is basically like a nutritious broth. And he does all these different things, which I didn't really understand too much because, again, I was so new to this whole process. But basically, this nutritious broth is where he, I guess, he cultures the the, the mushroom. I don't know if you would say like mushroom DNA or you know how you have seeds well, he obtains something from the mushrooms and he makes it into like this liquid culture and uses also sugar water and sterilizes it. And once you use this uh, sterilized sugar water, he has them in like liquid culture syringes. And then I believe if I recall correctly, he... Uh, with this syringe, he he that's where he places um, this liquid into the the oak and the soy, and then after that, then that's when you know you have to uh, spray water and and start treating this soy and oak so that eventually the mushrooms start growing and. I know all this might sound like a foreign language. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I'm still trying to understand it because he just said so much interesting information and he used a lot of terminology that I was completely new to. So I hope that that process helps. But all basically all of that in a nutshell. And so now... So now that was the process. Now moving on to how to grow it at home. So that kit that I was just telling you about. So that uh, oak and soy, it, like I told you, it, it pretty much looks like a bunch of like thick uh, dirt. <laughs> and so that was placed in a plastic bag. And this plastic bag was probably the size of a, I don't know, like a normal, like, a cereal box, for example, like that, that type of um, length and width. Um, and this plastic bag, we, it already had all the stuff inside. So it already had the, the oak and the soy and it, it was already pretty much uh, treated. Okay. So all we did was we had to 
shake up this bag that was completely sealed and it was a clear clear plastic bag and we had to shake it up and kind of crumble the dirt that was inside and make it because it was pretty it was it seemed like it was a huge rock so we had to like crumple it up within the plastic bag and make it and soften it so the goal was to take that home and for 10 to 14 days have it in a controlled room that is 75 degrees and you might be wondering well you're at home you don't have an incubation room what the heck are you going to use well he told us put it in the closet because the closet is probably one of the coolest rooms in your entire home um, without an air conditioner especially if you're in LA because of course I know this is not going to apply to people that live in other states like Texas or New York during the summertime <laughs> I don't know what your closet feels like during those during the summer but remember this was in July when I took this course so here in LA the closet for sure was the coolest room in my home without any air conditioner so I was supposed to keep it in there because it's also dark and I had to make a oh I had to wait till the all of this oak and soy was white and had full colonization and I'm not quite sure with what the colonization means other than I think it started to create like it started to look like it was getting moldy so I think that's what the colonization meant but it was supposed to get fully white and then that's how I how I knew that it was going to be ready to fruit so after that process after the between 10 and 14 days I was supposed to take out that bag from my closet and I was supposed to make a small hole on the top right hand corner, like cut out a small a small hole from that plastic bag and remove all of the air out of it. And then because that bag was was sitting up in like a vertical manner, I had to like lay it down as though it's resting uh, horizontally. And then at the top, I was supposed to make an X with an X-Acto knife. And it was supposed to be at least two inches in width and length. And then I'm supposed to spray it with water four to seven times per day so that it can start to grow. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let me go back. I'm supposed to do this between four to seven days until I start to see the mushrooms that begin to grow. So in these four to seven days, I'm supposed to water it with a very with a heavy mist of water two times a day. So I was supposed to spray it in the morning and then at night. And I'm supposed to do that for four to seven days, okay? And then until I can start to see the mushrooms growing. And then once the mushrooms start to grow then you got to spray them more often so that it glistens and that it they stay hydrated so 
once they start growing and I'm like spraying heavily and is staying hydrated, I'm going to be doing this for maybe three to five days. And then that's when the mushrooms will be growing a lot more. And then after around the fifth day, then that's when you're ready to harvest your mushrooms. And you can actually cook them in any type of meal that you want. And one important thing that Justin said was that the mushroom is going to be a dark brown cap and it's going to be flat, okay? And he said, do not allow it to turn up. So think of it as an umbrella. You know how umbrellas look when you first, when you open it and you use it for the rain? The umbrella looks, you know, pretty normal, like the shape. And then you know how sometimes like if you, there's heavy wind, your umbrella will flip up like all crazy looking? Then just think of the mushroom flipping up like that. You don't want your mushrooms to do that, okay? When you're going to harvest them. You want them to be like kind of nice and flat or is still a little bit curved the way an umbrella looks okay so I hope that makes sense and then the fun part after that was that once you harvest those mushrooms like your first cluster of mushrooms you'll still have um, the the materials you have to grow your mushrooms they're still really good to do a second harvest or do, yeah, to do a, a second cluster and then harvest them and still keep them in your closet and repeat the whole process again from the beginning. And he did say that by the third cluster, he said that you're able to remove all of the materials from the bag and put them outside in your yard if you have like a little garden or anywhere where there's a patch of dirt, you can actually remove the stuff from the plastic from your mushroom grow kit and then just kind of spread it around in the garden but it has to you have to keep it in a shaded area and you still have to you know spray it with water um, and repeat the same process as I mentioned previously the only concern I had about that was what if my my mushrooms get attacked by snails because as I've mentioned in another episode, these snails will want to eat everything that you have in your garden if you're growing fruits and veggies. So there was no way on earth that I was going to want to try and grow my mushrooms outside in my front yard and then have snails crawling all over my mushrooms. I don't know if I would have felt comfortable eating mushrooms knowing that all this snail slime was going to be on them (laughs) so what I did and interesting story I continued to keep it in my in my closet this you know grow kit with the plastic bag and luckily at this point I had it in a in a box a cardboard box because every time that I sprayed it eventually there was water building up at the bottom of this bag and it kind of got a little bit messy so I didn't want all this all this water like spilling all over the closet so from July all the way until early November I was able to continue to grow mushrooms if I count it correctly I think I ended up growing up to at least eight clusters of mushrooms which is really awesome because 
I was able to not really buy mushrooms from the grocery store as often. Um, but I, I, there was a few times, like once I started to get the hang of it, because the first cluster didn't work out for me. They ended up dying. They dried up and, and they died. And the second time, that's when they grew a lot better. So I got the hang of it. And then by the third and fourth time, the mushrooms grew. It grew so many. And also because I ended up cutting the the hole. Originally, it was supposed to be two inches in width and length. And I ended up cutting the plastic even more. So it had a huge hole. So, of course, naturally more mushrooms were growing out of it. And I realized it was way too many mushrooms um, to cook just for me. I mean, at that point, I should have just given some mushrooms away to other people to share. Because it was just way too many. <laughs> so... The funny part, though, about that experience was that at some point, these mushrooms were were releasing like all this white substance. It almost seemed like white powder. And I kid you not, this white powder got on everything in my closet, my shoes, my bags, my clothes. So it was wild because I was not expecting that. And I prior to that, I, I kept sending um, Justin messages like about the process because he did say, if you have any questions, message me. So I took that literally like I was messaging so much. I think I annoyed him at some point <laughs> because I just wanted to make sure that I was doing it correctly. But in any case, that ended up happening with all that white powder and uh at some point, too, because, you know, I just kept watering my mushrooms while they're in my closet. I remember one time I noticed that a bunch of little things were moving, like the water was glistening. And I remember I turned on the light and I looked closely and I saw a lot of little things moving inside the, the mushroom kit or at least at the top of the, of the mushroom kit. And then I took a closer look. And then lo and behold, I see a bunch of little worms. And I was like, oh my gosh, what are these things? And then at that point, before I even noticed these little these little worms, I started noticing that there were some fruit flies flying around the house. Well, come to find out, these fruit flies were coming out of this, this mushroom kit. Because I guess there was so much moisture on the grow kit that it was growing <laughs> it was growing fruit flies so that was another issue I had to deal with which I was not expecting so it, it was just wild and you know because I already felt so uncomfortable reaching out to Justin and asking him I just I never bothered to ask him so what I did was I took out the box and I scraped out all of these worms and like I had to throw them away and then I put it back in my closet I continued to spray the mushrooms and I kept repeating the whole process right until I noticed again more fruit flies like they that did they didn't go away they just kept they just kept coming it was it was bizarre so when I noticed that there is more fruit flies, what I did is I just grabbed a plastic bag 
I covered the hole. I opened the main entry door of my home. And I took this box outside, hoping that once I removed the plastic bag, all these fruit flies would just fly away and it'll solve the problem, right? Or so I thought. A lot of them flew away, but then I come back inside the house and I still see that there is a, a lot of these little fruit flies. So I think what ended up happening after all this trial and error experience, I think these fruit flies love the mushrooms and they just won't go away because now after taking out this this grow kit and putting it outside in the front yard I like I had to come up with this experiment with my I bought a planter and I put uh, I glued eggshells on it so that in case some the snails tried to climb on top of the planter it would prevent them from going inside because like I said I don't want these snails eating my mushrooms so I I noticed that there's still all these little fruit flies <laughs> near where the mushrooms are, where the soy and the oak is. So I don't know. It's interesting. My I don't know. If you guys have any tips on how to get rid of these little flies, let me know. But my mom did tell me that overall, whenever you grow any type of veggies or fruits, there will always be little 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 fruit flies and also um, you'll see worms that will grow in in the soil like that's something that you can't can't prevent unless I'm sure there's other other strategies that you can do to prevent it from happening but I do recall my mom saying that you can use vinegar and water to so whenever you're moisturizing and spraying the mushrooms like to use vinegar with water um, and it also helped the, the it, like if she does that to regular plants, like it'll help strengthen and, and help the, the, with the growth of the plants. So I imagine with that same concept, the same thing will help with my mushrooms. So I still have yet to try that, but that's the experience. And it's crazy because I never in a million years did I imagine that one I was going to learn how to grow mushrooms, actually do it and grow them from home, and even better, eat them and prepare them with my vegetarian meals. So that, that experience alone was so fascinating and so rewarding. And then now learning that, you know, if you keep them in your closet for that uh, long period of time, it's going to end up growing all these fruit flies and it can potentially ruin all of your clothing and shoes. Luckily, the white powder did not ruin any of my stuff. I just wiped out everything and I washed all the clothes. <laughs> so, and it just looked like white, I don't know, baby powder on my clothes. So I do recall there were times when I would wear a certain outfit and I'm like walking, walking out, going somewhere. And then I spot like a white, a white stain on my clothes. I'm like, darn it, that's the the powder and the mushrooms. And it's just, I don't know, I just think it's hilarious. But that's the story behind it. And I also want to add that 
aside from growing those mushrooms, like right now I'm also growing lemons. I have an avocado plant. Um, I've grown pinto beans, which the snails attack like crazy. They love pinto beans. And I'm also growing a pineapple right now. And I also have a Vix plant. So you guys know that the Vix vapor rub? Well, there's an actual, they make that out of a plant. And my mom gave me that plant and it smells so amazing. It literally smells like the Vix vapor rub that you get from the grocery store. And I looked up the, the scientific term for that and it's called Plectantris tomentosa. I know it sounds like I'm speaking, I don't know what language, but... That's the, the actual scientific term. And overall, I'm just intrigued by the concept of growing your own food and eating what you grow. And it just, it's rewarding. And for somebody who likes to um, eat organic foods, and in my case, I'm vegetarian and I'm, I want to eat healthy foods, it's just more satisfying knowing that you didn't use any pesticides to grow your stuff and it's organic. You didn't do any GMOs on them. I mean, probably the seeds, some of the seeds were genetically modified in the past, but knowing <laughs> knowing that, you know, you got something that's the closest thing to being organic is just so satisfying. And if you're somebody that also appreciates that, then... I'm sure you can relate to what I'm feeling. So um, aside from that, and, and you might be also wondering, and I know this is getting pretty long, but you also might be wondering like, well, how does this tie to interior design? Well, it ties to interior design in the sense that it revolves around decorating. It revolves around having maybe even a landscape design a lot of people have beautiful gardens in their homes they have the desire to have these fruit trees to have gardens and you don't just clump everything out there and make it look like whatever i mean you need to have a strategy you need to have some sort of theme you need to have some sort of idea of how you want it to look and how to make it functional and how and how to just make it look aesthetically pleasing, right? So right now I don't have like an actual garden per se because I, I live in an apartment. But I I am starting to like, you know, have my little planters and grow things. And, and I'm learning and I'm still new to learning how to grow different types of, of plants. And in this case, veggies and, and fruits. But... You know, it also comes down to if you like solar lights, if you want to um, create um, and put lighting outside, have outdoor lighting, you know, that also revolves around interior design. So those are just things that, you know, kind of all tie together. So anyway, I, um, I just find it fascinating that there's so many things to consider when growing your own veggies and fruits. And even if it's something minimal, even if it's working with a small space, I think um, it's important to get started somewhere. <laughs> and it's just a learning process. So if you know people that know about gardening, gardening 
or even if you don't, there's so much material and so much stuff online that people are posting about how to grow your own veggies and fruits. So anyway, that's just those are just some things to consider. And like I was mentioning earlier, I just want to say that I bought a grow kit for lion's mane mushrooms. And I've heard of lion's mane mushrooms before. And I know that there's a lot of health benefits. And to be honest with you, I wasn't quite sure the exact benefits. So I looked it up for you guys. So according to WebMD, lion's mane is a mushroom that grows on trunks of dead hardwood trees, such as oak. And it has a long history of use in East Asian medicine. Excuse me. And lion's mane mushroom might improve nerve development and function, and it might also help protect nerves from becoming damaged. It also seems to help protect the lining of the stomach. And people, according to WebMD, people use lion's mane mushroom for Alzheimer's disease, dementia, stomach problems, and many other conditions. But there is no good scientific evidence to support these uses, according to WebMD. And of course, it benefits them. Not to say that there's no good scientific evidence, because as you already know, that's not going to help the business of the medical field because they'll probably lose tons of money. But there are a lot of studies that do that do show all these different health benefits. So <clears throat> I didn't know about all this, but I was just intrigued. That's the reason why I bought uh, lion's mane mushrooms, because I'm just intrigued by this mushroom. So I'm interested to see how it tastes and how to prepare it with my vegetarian meals. Um, so I, <clears throat> I'm not sure when I'll get that, that, uh, package in the mail, but as soon as I do, I'm definitely going to start working on growing them and see how that works out. Okay. So if you want to know more about my lion's mane growing mushroom, <clears throat> growing mushroom experience, let me know. And I could do another <clears throat> episode on that. And in the previous episodes, I was talking about doing various recipes, right? So now I want to talk about this potato and soyrizo tacos recipe. This one is made out of soyrizo, which is made out of soy, and it's not chorizo, which comes from a pig. And what I do is I saute the soyrizo with a little bit of olive oil. And then I season it with a little bit of Himalayan salt. And I add crushed red pepper. And then once I saute and cook the soy riso till it gets um, pretty crispy, I add the, the potatoes. And then I saute the potatoes um, until they get crispy. And of course, I'm stirring and mixing all of this. And then... Um, I warm up a tortilla, and then I place the potato and soy riso once it's fully cooked on the taco. And then I like to add cilantro and and red onion on top of the these tacos. And I like to add homemade chili and enjoy them. And it's, it's just so delicious. 
And of course, if you want to make hard tacos, you can also fry the tacos as well. Just a tad bit on each side, depending on how crispy you want it to be. But hopefully, if you try this recipe, you'll let me know uh, what you think of it and share a picture with me. I'm intrigued. <laughs> so that's pretty much it for today's episode. I hope that you found this information insightful and useful and of course if you found it valuable share it with somebody who you think would appreciate this information and remember to to subscribe and follow this this podcast that way the algorithm increases and we can reach more people to help them out with anything that's design related and vegetarian related <laughs> as you already know this is the veggie interior design queen podcast so thank you so much again i appreciate your time and i'll talk to you guys next week so bye for now follow me on my social media platforms and join me every tuesday at 12 30 p.m pacific standard time we have an appointment for our design chat via Facebook Live. Your design coach, Aurora.